some research from the Center for Aging Better uh, that, that found that more than half employers agreed that an age-inclusive workforce would increase productivity, and 76% of employers saw older workers' experience as crucial to their organization. I am very happy to welcome back Maggie Piggott as my guest today. Maggie is a job-sharing pioneer. She job-shared with her partner for 23 years across seven positions and retired at a joint chief executive level. And together with her partner, she received a CBE for her efforts regarding job-sharing. Today, we will also talk about flexible work in the context of another passion in Maggie's life, aging well. Maggie wrote the book, How to Age Joyfully, Eight Steps to a Happier, Fuller Life. Welcome to the show, Maggie. Hello, and lovely, lovely to be back, Karen. Lovely to see you again after, uh, oh, it's been a while, uh, an interesting couple of years, but uh, lovely to be back. Thank you so much for um, returning to the show. Mm -hmm. And for people who might not have listened to your first episode with um, the show yet, and I will be sure to put it in the show notes, can you share where are you calling in from and is there a particular food or site in your area? Right. Well, I'm calling from London, England, as you can probably tell by my accent. Um, uh, as regards food, well, I love all foods. So um, I'll give you two. I can't even two is hard. Uh, the healthy one are berries. I love berries. We eat loads and loads of berries every day. Uh, I just uh, find them so so good uh and then the less healthy one is i adore chocolate pudding those puddings that have chocolate sauce in the center that when you cut into them and then chocolate sauce on top and then vanilla ice cream i love that there there's a quote by charlie schultz who did peanuts who said mm -hmm. All you need is love, but a little chocolate now and then doesn't hurt. And I, I subscribe to that, except that it's a bit more often with me than now and then. But those are those are two two foods I'm very keen on. As regards a site, uh, well, uh, as you know, we've just had the Platinum Jubilee. Uh, our queen still working at 96 and 70 years on the throne. And I think the site would be how wonderful London's looks recently, uh, all decorated with balloons and bunting and Union Jacks. And it's just shown off London to great effect. We had a street party and uh, seeing the other houses all decorated in their front gardens was just wonderful. So that's nice. I shall miss it when they're all taken down and all, all, all the decorations go. But uh, at the moment, London's looking rather good. Thank you so much for sharing. And uh, it brings back my own memory. I lived in England for nine years, but it's been, I was just thinking, I think at least 10 years, I think even more, maybe 15 years since I've been back. So oh, you'll have to yes, come back. I should, yes, I should definitely come back. Yes, yes definitely. It's probably changed a bit. <laughs> I, I think so. So, you know, Maggie, the last 
last time when you were on the show, we spoke about your career and your longtime experience as a job sharing pioneer. <laughs> and um, now for somebody who um, doesn't know you yet, could you just give an overview of how you got into job sharing and maybe some of the most rewarding experiences for being a job sharer? Right, well, um, well I qualified a very, very long time ago um, as a lawyer, a barrister, in fact, but um, it was always my intention Uh, one of my top goals, not to work full time if I ever had a family. So I quite quickly gave up the practicing bar because I didn't think that would be a very family friendly career and joined the government legal service, went into the civil service as a lawyer, into what became ultimately the Ministry of Justice, where I spent my whole my whole career, actually. Um, And I got into job sharing VAR, part-time working. I worked full-time for eight years, but then when um, my first, our first child was born, I, I asked to work part-time and was uh, thrilled to be allowed to come back after six months off to work part-time. Did that for uh, five years. And then, and then um, it was really interesting because I had this incredible far-sighted innovative boss, a man too, um, who had a vacancy. He had a full-time legal administrative post that he needed filling. And he had me as a part-timer and he had Judith who another part-timer. And really he just said, why don't you combine and try doing it together as a full-time role? And honestly, Karen, I had never thought about such a way of working. Uh, I'm not sure he had, but we talked about it. We got on, we knew each other. So we thought, why not? So we decided to give it a go. And as they sort of say, the rest is history. It seemed <laughs> to work. Um, but um, when we did it, and this is back in 1988, I mean, it, it job share was just unheard of. So there was no policies, no role models, no practices. So we were really at liberty to just make it up as we went along, which is what we did. And it was it was great. And we had 23 years together, seven jobs. We got promotion along the way and uh, were lucky enough to end up as a um, joint uh, chief executive of the judicial training organization, as you know, training 40,000 judges, which was an amazing, amazing job. So as regards what was most rewarding, well, it was all rewarding, actually. I just loved it. I feel very lucky to have been able to do it. Uh, I think what was really rewarding was being able to have such a, an exciting, challenging, fulfilling career but at the same time, be able to have four days a week with the kids as they were growing up. And then when they were sort of more independent beings to have a bit of time, even for myself, uh, which is also nice when on my days off and also helping to look after my elderly mother who got dementia and uh, needed some, some care. Um, so I think that what was most rewarding was being literally being able to hold down a, a really full time job 
very uh, full-time job as as well as having work-life balance really having it all I think my favorite most rewarding job was probably the five years we spent in um, dealing with senior judicial appointments interviewing uh, people who wanted to become judges and making recommendations to the Lord Chancellor I love that job and our last job as a CEO with was was also great and another rewarding thing I think was being able to help others who wanted to job share uh, because it was so new and different and people didn't know about it it was great to be able to really role model it and uh, advise people who wanted to take it up um, to mentor support to even help with training of managers who really had never come across it and to see it grow albeit very slowly and uh, at a snail's pace but even so to, to to get a few other people in the department also job sharing and to get it accepted in the department as a sort of normal way of working that was hugely hugely rewarding and then I think probably the other great thing that was rewarding was being honoured at the end of it all by being getting an award, which was lovely. Uh, um, I think the day we, Judith and I, went to Buckingham Palace and got our CBs from Prince Charles was, um, was wonderful. And a day I shall, well, I'll, I'll never forget that. It was just amazing and, and wonderful for job sharing because that was part of the reason we got it. And that was great that they really recognised job sharing um, as a thing and something that was important and something that really worked uh, and benefited the department and the civil service. So, uh, yes, I, I feel I have been incredibly lucky in that way. Yeah. Wow. That's, you know, thank you for sharing. It's just wonderful. And, you know, the recognition all the work and effort you have put into not only in your own job, but as you said, training other people, mm -hmm. expanding the number of people who ended up being job sharers themselves. And I'm sure that then, you know, further spread and yes. spread because I think one of the biggest, from what I'm, you know, seeing is, uh, you know, problems about not having so many job shares is that people have no good role model. Exactly. They, the only thing they can immediately think of, yeah. uh, you know, potential problems, but because they haven't seen it in action, because they haven't seen it succeed and all the benefits, it's, mm -hmm. it might be something they're like, well, maybe I won't try it or I won't propose it to my boss. But in the case of, you know, having you as an amazing mentor and seeing how well it works. You're so right, Karen. I mean, I think that's, that is the biggest barrier is if people haven't seen it in operation, they can come up with 47 reasons why it won't work. And they don't, they just are scared of it. And, and it, we always got the, well, what, what will happen on the day you're not there and if I need you and all these other sort of things. That, but if they've actually seen it work and seen even ministers and senior judiciary finding that it, it, it operates just as well as just having one person and that the, the, the whole thing can work seamlessly. It takes effort, right. sure. But... Uh, that it, it really can be a success, then all that fear and all that um, 
concern really just just goes and in our department it was just considered normal really and at one stage we had three pairs of senior civil service job sharers and people came to our department and applied as a job share for that very reason because they knew that in the department where we were it wasn't thought of as something to be scared of or that wouldn't work it was just accepted and and that's what needs to happen so much more out there particularly in the private sector because I think the public sector is much better at this sort of thing, if I say so, um, and really spearheaded this form of working uh, ahead of really what the private sector has has done. Um, although it's it, it it is improving, but <laughs> not not quite as many people job sharing now that I thought there would be when I started. <laughs> yes, 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 and now. You know, so I've been reading about people retiring, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic. And now as it is dragging along, they're actually unretiring. And so I'm wondering, one of the aspects of job sharing could be intergenerational job sharing. And maybe could you share a little bit your thoughts about the advantages of having a intergenerational job share? Yes. Well, I mean, obviously, Judith and I were just two or three years apart. Mm -hmm. And in the time when we were job sharing, which was, as I said, a long time ago, um, people tended to be at the same stage of life and the same age. And even they tended to be the same, uh, usually women, although we did have a couple of uh, men. Um, so I don't have direct experience mm -hmm. of uh, intergenerational job share. But having said that, I am absolutely convinced that it could work brilliantly and it would have some advantages that actually having two people at the same level and at the same stage in life don't bring to the party. I mean, I think that, well, at, at any age, we can learn from people from right. other ages. I mean... I think older people do have, uh, I hope, uh, a, se a sense of um, uh, perspective on life. They bring their experience to it. They bring their, I hope, some wisdom that they've accumulated over, over the years. And I was reading, funnily enough, only in the last couple of days, some research from the Centre for Aging Better uh, that, that found that more than half employers agreed that an age-inclusive workforce would increase productivity, and 76% of employers saw older workers' experience as crucial to their organisation, which is great. I mean, we're recognising that older people have a lot to offer an organization and, and I certainly think that's right but then younger people have a huge amount to give to an organization too it may be different they may bring different skills um, but we can we can learn from each other I've learned so much from my kids who are now in their late 30s and 40 and they've introduced me to so much and brought given me a new perspective on things so I, actually, I, I think there would be an awful lot to be said for having that. It's like that film, The Intern, with Robert yes, De Niro. Yes. I mean, I just love that film. Yes, and yes. I thought it was just so, so true. Um, 
But having said that, I do think I would have one, one cautionary note, which is that I think job shares only work if there's real mutual respect and trust between uh, the job sharers. And I think they really have to be equal partners in any job share. It won't work if one is sort of seen as more experienced mm -hmm. or more senior to the other. So I, I think that my only caveat would be that people, if they wanted to share and they were very much of different generations, it would have to be recognized that the two were absolutely level pegging and had something to bring to the table, which was equal and that there would be that mutual trust and respect between them because that was absolutely fundamental, I think, to the success of our, our job share. Uh, but apart from that, I, I absolutely would um, think that it would be a great thing to do, but I, I, I haven't actually met any job sharers which are of different generations, but hey, uh, let's hope it happens. Yeah, thank you. That These are really great points, yes. And um, now uh, you are retired now and you've written a wonderful book, How to Age Joyfully, <laughs> Eight Steps to a Happier, fuller life and so could you share with our listeners about this <laughs> well thank you thank you for your kind words about the book <laughs> um I'm, I'm thrilled that i actually managed to, to write it and get it published it was my first book at, at, um that i'd written and published when i was 68 so it, it, i never really dreamt it, it would happen uh and uh, i'm I'm thrilled that three years on that it still seems to be selling and um, doing quite well. So the book, well, it's really a book about living well. A lot of people said to me I shouldn't have called it How to Age Joyfully. I should have called it How to Live Joyfully because, of course, we're all aging from day one. Um, and it really is all about how you can live better for longer, how you can... Um, have a happier, healthier, more fulfilled life uh, at any age. Uh, although, to be fair, I think a lot of the uh, tips, and there are about 150 tips in the, in the book, uh, are perhaps slightly more geared to midlife onwards, uh, to people in that stage who are maybe coming up to retirement or, or, or retired. But I, I think I, when I retired and I... And I uh, suddenly realized I, I was having a ball and, and life was great. Um, I started getting interested in what makes for a, a successful later life and uh, started researching that really and talking to people who seem to have been successful in, in later life. And it, 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 I, I then found that it, to me, it seemed to come down to eight ingredients that went into this recipe for a, a, a good later life. And there isn't a silver bullet about it. it it's really a combination of, of factors. And they're not rocket science. It's not original it, because it is based on research and, and evidence and my personal experience and the experience of others who uh, know rather more about all this than, than I did. So uh, having come up with these eight, steps. Um, I, I include them in the book and I'll, I'll share them with your listeners. Um, 
And as I say, I expect most people could come up with them themselves. But um, the first one is physical activity, and that's probably the most important. The miracle cure, as the our National Health Service calls it, we all do need to move more, especially after the pandemic, when I think we all sat far too long and too much in front of screens and Zoom calls. Uh, the second is what I call eat right, and it's all about eating a, a healthy uh, diet, eat the right food in the right quantities for most of the time, because we are a society that not only is getting more sedentary, but is also actually getting more obese and overweight, and that costs our society billions of pounds. Um, so there's an awful lot we can do to try and improve our diets ourselves. The third one is, I think, possibly the most, well, equal, most important as well. And that's having a purpose in life, having a reason for being. The Japanese, I think, call it ikigai, probably pronounced that wrong. Um, but I think having something to live for is absolutely vital, whatever age you are, whether you're young or older or old. Um, and of course, working is that purpose for an awful lot of people that work is what gives it to them. And then the fourth one is, is also crucial uh, and that's uh, being socially connected, having strong relationships that you can rely on. Um, the Centre for Aging Better in the UK here has done some research and two of the things that they focused on that are really important for a good later life are having a purpose and having good social connections uh, and there's research that has shown that if you um, that you don't if you're lonely and isolated it's as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day which I found amazing so again work gives you that in to a large measure so social connections very important my fifth step is about what I call grow but it's all about lifelong learning not necessarily formal learning but just being curious about life being interested being willing to try new experiences and just trying new things um, throughout life the sixth step is gratitude being grateful which happily we can learn um, and there are tips in the book as with everything on on how you can learn to become more more grateful apparently it's incredibly good for you it has all sorts of benefits the seventh is giving and uh, that is giving both to others um, in whatever way you can doesn't have to be huge it be, can be your time or uh, or money or volunteering, uh, but also giving to yourself because I think self-care is often missed and it's very important that people have some me time and actually uh, have some time for themselves and give to themselves because you really can't help other people if, you, if you're not in a place and you haven't looked after yourself. And then last but not least, the eighth step, um, is equally a, a very important one, and that's having a positive attitude. And that, again, uh, having a positive attitude, research has shown that those that have it live on average an extra seven and a half years, which is incredible. Um, but 
it really does work. And again, it's something that you can help yourself because only 25% of low optimism is inherited. So there's 75% to play for to get to become more positive. So those are basically the, the eight steps in the book. And I try to show how, how you can uh, apply them, how you can do it. And uh, even doing one of them will have, have some benefit, but obviously they interconnect a lot as well. And um, uh, I, research has shown that these things really will help to provide a, a better later life. And so that's what the book's really about. And it has about 200 wonderful quotations in it uh, from Aristotle to Oprah Winfrey. And a lot of people say to me, oh, I, I thought the quotations were wonderful. They're so inspiring. And I said, that's the only bit of the book I didn't write. You know? <laughs> and I'm delighted that people like the quotations because they are wonderful. Some of them are wonderful. They, they are very amusing. <laughs> Well, thank you. This is, you know, I feel somebody who is, you know, middle age or planning to retire, I think it would be an awesome book to kind of prepare already and really look at what the important things are, um, you know, to age or to, you know, become older joyfully. So that's, well, funny you should say that because I've had a couple of people who are in the uh, who, who are in organisations, and they've said to me that they're thinking of um, when they have midlife seminars or preparation for retirement mm -hmm. seminars, and they're thinking of I don't know when they've done it, but they've said this a while ago, two or three different people that they would give a copy of the book at the seminar because actually it doesn't cost that much but it would be a, a nice sort of thing to give and it would be helpful uh, as a preparation for, for retirement. Um, so I thought, well, that, that, that would be wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know whether that's happened or not, but certainly several people have said that to me. So it's interesting to hear you say that. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I feel, and you know, as we're talking about retirement and, you know, I feel some organizations might have these presentations already, but others, you know, might not have the time or money. And so having mm. a book is a wonderful start to, you know, change maybe somebody's perspective on like what it means. And like, you know, as you're retired, I'm curious, and you know, maybe you're biased because you've written the book, but if you reflect back, is there something you wish you would have known while you were in the process, maybe the last five years of your work that, you know, would have been of help to you before you retired? Yes. Well, I, I was unfortunate in a way because I retired through ill health and I, I hadn't planned to retire at all. I wanted to go on working. Um, so it was all a bit of a, a bit of a shock um, and something that wasn't really thought about. Um, but I do think that uh, it would have been had I known about it a bit more. Uh, I do think and it comes back to actually to what's in the book. I do think thinking about the future and your what your purpose might be once you retire 
is quite important because one's work on the whole is such an all-consuming thing. Even if you work part-time, it's still a huge part of one's life. And suddenly I certainly found when I had given up work from having a, a diary just packed with meetings and then all of a sudden you have this sort of empty diary apart from, in my case, a few medical appointments. Um, and you suddenly think, well, what's this all about? And and if if I'm lucky, I might have 20, 30 years left. Um, and what am I going to do? And and is it all over? And and it, it it's a big it's a big change. And I don't think I really appreciated quite how big a change it was because when I was a, at my retirement party, all my colleagues who had already retired uh said to me oh it's wonderful you'll never look back it's amazing retirement is the best thing and I thought oh this is great um and then of course when I I actually retired I I really got quite depressed and now partly of course I wasn't well but I don't think it was only that I I think you know you suddenly realize you've lost your your identity you've lost your role you've lost your work colleagues who you get on with and you've lost pay um and now you you you've got nothing so uh i think it is important to try and have some goals and to think ahead a bit about what you might want to do and to prepare for it having said that having said that i do think there's merit in not planning to the nth degree for when you've given up uh because I didn't because I couldn't because I wasn't well. And actually, I think it was a real bonus because it gave me time to reflect and think about what I wanted to do with this new stage in life because I had that space and because I hadn't committed myself to lots of things. Because originally I thought when I retired, oh, I'll do lots of things to do with the law. And then I thought, six months down the line well no actually there was this whole world out there of creativity and new things and uh, my dancing and and volunteering and and when I got better and got into all these things and then writing I suddenly realized that my life had taken a completely different path and I think if I'd filled up my diary and planned everything meticulously beforehand I I wouldn't have had that mindset and I wouldn't have had the opportunity so I think it's important to to basically allow yourself some time as well to to think about what you want but but to give yourself time to try it comes back to what I say in the book try lots of different things see what you what suddenly might inspire you or give you a new passion uh, I never thought I would write uh, but unless you try it you'll, you'll never know so I, I think it, it it's really a combination of treat yourself gently and realize it might well be hard to begin with but when you get over that change curve and you get through it it's absolutely wonderful <laughs> and I can't recommend it highly enough. It's been just amazing and I've never, never been happier than, uh, than since my mid-60s with all the new things that I'm learning and doing and all the new people that I've met.
Wow, that is wonderful. And now, you know, so you retired and, um, you know, having worked a job sharing position. So now I'm wondering, say somebody who is planning to retire and they were working full-time for decades. And as we are growing older in general, can you envision that maybe more people will sort of facing out their retirement and maybe then starting to go into a part-time or job sharing position over time and you know in that sort of interim to avoid maybe what you said going from packed um you know meeting schedules mm. to nothing mm. yes yes i think it's i think it's, it would be a great way to well two two benefits really one to perhaps enable people to work longer because if you are wine, uh, only working, say, three days a week instead of full on five or six days a week, uh, that might enable you to, uh, to want to work longer or to be able to work longer, particularly if you have, say, caring responsibilities that suddenly come along with older right. parents. Um, so I think that starting to work flexibly later in life is, it would be a, a great thing. And also, um, I, I think that we will have to work longer because we're living longer and we get our pensions later. Uh, we will need to, to work for a longer period. So to be able to, to start doing it part time and then develop other interests um, and find other passions or, or, or interests that you want to follow would be a great way of, of doing that tran transition. Um, and I, I think that the also with the pandemic and COVID, the world of work has changed hugely. Um, and we're not going to go back. The sort of cat is out of the bag and people have really seen the benefits and want to work more flexibly. And you've got far more hybrid working now. And people see that you can be just as productive. And I think employers are seeing that as well as employees, that you can still not necessarily work absolutely full time, but still be highly productive. I mean, job sharers are incredibly productive. I think the research backs that up. Um, but I think flexible working is, is becoming much more the norm now since the pandemic. So we could build on that. And I think we ought to grasp that opportunity and move forward and promote job sharing, part-time working, particularly later in life. I think the, the sadly, the downside against that is that we still live in an age of um, ageism and it's still a youth-centric world. And many people in their 50s actually stopped working in the pandemic, even though they didn't want to. I mean, there may have been lots of reasons. They may have wanted to reassess their life, but or they may have got ill or uh, want to do other things. But also, there was also a statistic that I saw from the Office for National Statistics that said quarter of a million more people aged 50 to 64 became economically inactive compared to pre-pandemic levels. That's a lot of people in that age group from 50 to 64 that, that have lost out and have left the, the workforce. And 
I think it's that's that is something that needs to be addressed and ageism needs to be addressed. And we need to promote job sharing and, and part-time working for all ages, but but for older people as well. And that would, as I've said, would help the transition and will be a win-win. It, it, it's such a golden opportunity now, I think, to grasp uh, the the, the willingness of employers perhaps to be a bit more flexible and innovative and, and to take up the baton of flexible working and job sharing and, and see all the amazing benefits that, that you can get from it. And then the people who are, who are able to work like that, if they can, then they, they, they can use that extra time to do what I said earlier about thinking about what they want to do and how they're going to use that in getting ready for when when their office door finally closes and and they that they're not there anymore so yes i think it would be a great thing to promote um for all ages but particularly later in life i think it's it's got a lot to, a lot going for it thank you and i feel you are such a great role model and example you really really are and I'm super appreciative that you know you come onto the show now for the second time to share more about it because I think it it so well interconnects and now is there anything that you feel we haven't covered today that you would like to share with our audience I don't think so I think we probably you know, covered everything I, I, I think I'd just reiterate that I think job sharing, as you know, Karen, I think is the the best way of working. Having done full time, part time and job sharing, I think it's the most brilliant way of working for, for both employer and, and employee. And I, I, I'm really grateful that I, I was able to do it and do it for, for so long. But when you do give up work, I think I would also say to your listeners, wow, retirement is great. Don't listen to people who say, oh, it's all downhill and it's decline and decrepitude. Not a bit of it. I, I think it's it's a new stage of life and you can grasp it and have the most wonderful time as long as you're, you've got your health and as long as you've got enough financial security. And I appreciate not everybody is lucky enough to have that. But if you have that, you really can have a, a great time. And there's this U curve of happiness that shows that as you get older, you get happier. So the research backs that up. So it, it's a it's a wonderful time and something not to dread, but to to look forward to. Now, how <laughs> can people find you on social media, Maggie? Uh, oh well, I'm 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 scattered <laughs> around. I'm on LinkedIn, of course. Uh, I have two Twitter accounts, uh, one on uh, ageing called Age Joyfully at Ageing Better and then one at Maggie Pigger at Maggie Pigger. Uh, and I'm a bit of a Twitter addict, so I've got about nearly 11,000 followers now. So please, I'd be delighted to get some new followers. Do join. Uh, I've also got a website, uh, which I started in the pandemic, howtoagejoyfully.com. Uh, where I was a bit more about me and the book. Uh, and I'm also vaguely on Instagram at Age Joyfully. Uh, not very active on Instagram, but uh, uh, I thought I, I do a bit on Instagram as well. So I, I, various places uh, that I can be reached. 
That's great. And I will be sure to put all of the links into the show notes as well. So people can, you know, reach out to you and, um, you know, learn more. And it's been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Maggie, for coming back onto the show. (laughs) Well, thank you, Karen, for asking me. I think this is wonderful. I don't think anybody's actually asked me to return for a second (laughs) go. So I I feel feel deeply honoured. And uh, it's been absolutely wonderful. And I really, really enjoyed talking to you, Karen. And wish you all the very best with what you're doing, because I think it is so important and really, really valuable that we do that we do spread the word out there and listen to people who who can who can talk about these really important subjects which don't get talked about perhaps enough all the time so thank you very very much for asking me thank you (laughs) thanks and goodbye yeah thank you so much for listening to the show we hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye!